0: Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast hosted by me, Josephine Atlery. Do you ever feel like you could use some guidance when life throws you a curveball? By listening to the narratives in this podcast, you will learn from other people's experiences and responses to challenging situations so you can fast-track the learning curve to get ahead in your own life. In this final fertility episode of Season 1 of Responding to Life, I share the last part of my modern-day family creation story, a process of surrogacy. To help me in this candid conversation about the ins and outs of surrogacy, I asked my best friend Nubia to join me again to talk about this personal moment in my life. To pick up where we last left off in, in the story, we had gone through many rounds of IVF, experienced several miscarriages, plus our second trimester loss of twins ultimately went on to international adoption of our first son from Kazakhstan, and then tried IVF one more time, which led to me carrying another set of twins this time to term. We wanted to grow our family, but another pregnancy wasn't feasible for us many years later. So let's get started with our conversation on the path of our surrogacy. Thanks so much for joining me, Nubia. Uh, as I mentioned in my intro, I have my friend Nubia with me, who's my one of my bestest friends from college. And she's here with me today to wrap up the first season and share in a discussion with me about the very final path that we took to creating our modern-day family, the path of surrogacy. So thanks for joining, noobs. Oh, my gosh, always. I'm so I'm honored to be on your final once
1: of this season. I cannot believe it's 25 episodes but I mean your story was not a simple one to share and I think that you really delved into some great topics this season and I can't wait to see what's next after this.
0: Yeah well so I'll get us started and then you know as I was talking to Nubia about preparing for this I felt like we never really talked too in depthly about the experience, just because I kind of kept it under wraps, and then and then once the babies were born, then it was all about the babies. So I, you know, I'll just start, and then noobs, you can pop in with any questions that you have for me. Um, okay, where we left off with my story was when I gave birth to our middle set of twins, and so then at that point we had the three kids and we did have some frozen embryos left after that cycle that we did. And so we kept them frozen because we worked so hard for them, you know, and mm-hmm. we, every year you get a letter saying, what do you want to do with them? And every year we just decided to keep them frozen because you know, like I said, so much work went into them and we always wanted to grow the family. It's just that it was too risky to carry and, after that last pregnancy that we had and then the, the loss that we had prior to that. So mm-hmm. we always thought, well, maybe we can entertain the idea of surrogacy. However, as many of you know out there, it's wildly expensive and we just, we couldn't afford it. Uh, we were lucky with many of the other treatments that we had, including the adoption in that my husband had a great, um, like great benefits with his work such that they covered a lot of the costs for those those treatments. But surrogacy wasn't part of the deal back then. And so, you know, we kept them frozen. And then finally, about six years later, after saving up, we were able to finally entertain the idea of pursuing surrogacy. We looked to our uh, fertility um, uh, department that we used because we knew we wanted to use them again. And Asked them if they had worked with any surrogacy agencies and they gave us a couple of recommendations And so that's how we began the process of looking for a company to partner with and we decided upon one And uh, we really liked them because the founder had worked over at that reproductive center So she really knew uh the ins and outs of the place and so once we you know, we decided to go with them, then they started to send us over um, like these applications of surrogates and they would do it one at a time uh, because, you know, there was a long waiting list and and we didn't even actually get these applications until the very, and, until very many m- months later. And what is that? Like what's, what's in
1: an application? Like, I mean, how much detail do you get?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, so it's, um, I'm trying to remember what you get. So you get information about, definitely about their medical history, their pregnancy history, Mm -hmm. and what their family is like. You know, they have to be married, at least with this company. They had to be married. They had to have their own kids. Their pregnancies had to be basically, like, perfect. And, Mm -hmm. And then you get information about who they're looking for to partner with, you know, single sex couples, married couples, single people, that sort of thing. And then mm-hmm. and then a brief little essay almost to answer the okay. question why they wanted to become a surrogate and what their hope was for, for wow. this. And so And, and how many do you that, think you might have read? We didn't read uh, we maybe read like five applications because oh, wow. they they filter it so well into what we're looking for and then what a surrogate is looking for that that way you don't waste time and that way the application can go to someone else that it's better suited to. And so I feel like we didn't read that many. And after we decided upon one, that's when we were able to uh, set up like it was a Zoom call essentially and have the, the surrogacy company kind of be the liaison to... You know, ask the questions that we each had, and make sure everyone felt comfortable and could make a sound decision as to whether or mm-hmm. not they wanted to partner with that other couple. And so, wow, you know, that part was a little awkward. We had our list of yeah. questions, and and so did they. And it's hard to make a decision. <laughs> it's really hard to make. So, a So, so
1: it's more than just a surrogate. It's her. It's like her spouse, or I mean, in her case, right? They were married, so her spouse was also involved in having some questions for you guys.
0: (laughs) Yes. Right. But it was definitely like me and my spouse and her and her spouse were there. And then, you know, we had given the questions beforehand to the liaison. So she would ask them and then we would answer right there. And then if Mm -hmm. there were any other questions that came up as we were talking, then we, we were able to ask them, but it was pretty straightforward. We got to hear kind of like, from her own words what her pregnancies were like and what her life was like currently and then Mm -hmm. she was able to hear from us what our journey looked like and why we needed to pursue surrogacy and and so that way you know after that you have I think it was 24 to 48 hours to make a decision because oh wow There are other people waiting behind you, right? Uh And if you pass on it, then they need to pass it on to the next person in line. And so it was a quick turnaround. And with that first one that we actually did the interview with, we felt really comfortable with her. And Mm -hmm. she just seemed so so giving and kind. And we decided to say yes. And so did she. And that's how we ended up partnering with her, which was crazy. <laughs> so yeah, then, I didn't
1: realize it was such a big turnaround, but it makes sense. Yeah. Um, do you find, do you remember, I mean, I'm sure you you remember, but like how different or how similar was this to, uh, I don't want to call it traditional adoption, right? But like when you did your international adoption, because I know that you had lots of paperwork and there were interviews involved there. Like how, how, how did this compare, I guess?
0: No, that's a great question because it was very similar in that there was a lot of paperwork we did have to do like after this matching process then on her end she had to go through the reproductive center to do all her testing and then on our end we had to do all this legal paperwork we had to hire a lawyer to make sure that um, once the babies were born they were legally our children and uh, and then um, we also had to set up you know, all the financials. So it was reminded me definitely a lot of adoption, even though it was different, but because adoption, we had all this paperwork to do beforehand. And it seemed like there was just an endless amount of tasks that didn't seem like it should be associated with having a child and more so (laughs) associated with like applying for college or a job or buying a house. But so in that respect, it was very similar. And also in terms of the, the waiting, you know, it was definitely longer for adoption, all the waiting process, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of waiting here because we didn't get to see any, any applications for at least half a year. Um, once we, oh, wow. we, you know, gave the deposit well, with, to the company. The, to, with the company. Yeah. Because there are so many people in line ahead of us. So, the the that was how they were very similar, and then and then different because once you once you started signing off on things, now you're actually working with a partner versus after all that paper with with adoption, then you just return back to life and you're waiting, and there is no one really to partner with. So so that's what made it. Well, different.
1: it's like a partner who now you have to trust is going to do what they need to, to- deliver healthy babies right like it's like a whole different level here
0: yeah yeah so that was that was one of the hardest things for me um yes i can imagine knowing you (laughs) yeah you know i'm like did you get a schedule ahead
1: of time with specific timing of medications Um, i'm teasing but like this is how you plan things like this right like as a mom as a planner in your in your past life and current activities like this is what you're known for. You're very detail-oriented. This must have driven you crazy not to have this
0: control. It did. It did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to, how should I answer this? Yes, it did. <laughs> drive me. That was one of the lessons learned of this was that it. I had to let go of control. In any of these, in any of the paths that we took, I did true, have to true. let go of some control. But this one perhaps was the hardest. Because I was watching it in real time and, but I wasn't the one caring. So, and then there was this level of trying to maintain not a distance, but to let her have her space. I think she understood that I needed to get updates. So she was awesome about, you know, after every appointment, she would either call me or give me a text or shoot me an email about what happened I mean, I'd always get a report from the nurses, but it was nice to get this more personal. Um, oh yeah, of, like, it's not enough enough. From her. Yeah, so that was really nice of her, and I think you know it's great that she herself went through her own pregnancies and was a mom because she got it. You know, she I, I didn't even have to ask her for that. Like towards the. Once she did become pregnant, then we kind of set up ground rules of like how often we we would touch base. But, you know, initially I think she just understood as a, a mom and a, having been pregnant that I would want to hear what was happening from her side of mm-hmm. the thing. But yeah, the, that lack of control and that trust that you have to have of someone that you don't know, that was so difficult for me. But... um you know i think it was a lesson that i had to keep learning throughout <laughs> life which was why you know that just was another instance of it i i guess um but yeah so after after legal was done after she got clearance from the reproductive center then we were finally able to get uh, a schedule of of the the frozen cycle and and so she started her meds and in the beginning, our check-ins were a little uncomfortable just because there wasn't mm-hmm. anything too much to talk about. You know, she, it's not like she could tell me, oh, I felt the baby moving and here and there. It was just, okay, uh-huh. I did this medicine and, um, and then I would ask her how she's feeling because I, I remembered, you know, how hormonal I got and, and how, you know, towards the end, those shots started to, to be very difficult to take. And she had never done this before because all of her pregnancies were natural. So, you know, um, I would check in on her like that, but it was weird because I often mention that there aren't any social norms for how you're supposed to interact with a surrogate. You know, we have all of these things that we learned as we as we go through life, like how you're supposed to interact with your coworkers and your boss and with your friends and your family. Right. And your teachers, but never with a surrogate. And so that was really weird for both of us. And we had to build up that relationship from scratch. And it was, you know, it was hard in the beginning.
1: Sorry, build a relationship where you're also trying to manage what I'm assuming is a plethora of emotions on your own end. Having to right. go this route, right? Like, there are many reasons why, and some of them are really hurtful for you.
0: Yeah. 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 That was hard. There were a lot of emotions, you know, that I tied into this that maybe I shouldn't have, but I did. I was very sad about that and about not being mm-hmm. able to carry, about having to ask for help. You know, me, I don't like asking other people to help mm-hmm. out. I just want to do it myself. And so, This was like a tremendous thing to have to let my guard down and expose myself of like, I can't do this and I need, I need your help of all people because, and I don't even know you and I'm asking you to do this tremendously selfless act and, and do this for us. So that was, you know, that was really hard and it's not something that we really discussed like I would constantly thank her, but it wasn't something where I would just sit down and say to her, you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm not like living up to what the idea of a woman is, who's supposed to be able to conceive and all these things. And so that was just sort of underlying that Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, I had to get through many years later and just throughout the whole process. It wasn't something that like I dealt with beforehand and, And was okay with it and was at peace with it. Like I, it was this just constant thing that I had to sort of talk myself through and, and come to terms with the fact that, you know, all of our children, they came into our lives in in different ways, but like the common theme that I always say is they were brought in by love. They were supported by love. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, that's all that really matters that however a child comes into your life, right? And that yeah. doesn't that doesn't reflect anything upon what you're capable of doing and your worth and your inability to do things or your ability to do things and so that was another lesson that I took away from this experience for sure.
1: Do you feel like you, it opened your eyes a little bit to what maybe your husband might have experienced during, let's say um, the it just. It, being not the person caring, right? Like you're, it's a different level of relationship. I'm not, I'm not phrasing it properly, but like what it feels like to be a partner during a, a a pregnancy journey, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I definitely felt that way and I did, it didn't dawn on me until I was, I, I went out to visit her for the first time for like this big ultrasound appointment when they do like a gamut of tests. I think it was 20 weeks, 24 weeks. I always get the numbers mixed up. And when I was sitting there, you know, we, I flew up by myself and I was, we had lunch together. We went out shopping together and then we went to the appointment. And as I was sitting there, like I noticed as we were sitting in the waiting room her hand rested on her belly, and that was like the first moment when I felt like a little pang of jealousy. When I was on the phone with her doing checkups, I would never really see that, and so this was the first time where I saw, you know, something that I would have done and that I had done in the past with other pregnancies, mm-hmm. and and I felt a little pang of jealousy at that moment. And then when we went into the ultrasound room like she went in first then I then I got called in and as I was sitting there next to her you know one I did feel a little jealous and then wishing that I were the one there and feeling all of that seeing the babies moving around and but then as I just sat there taking in all the information and looking at the ultrasound I realized this is what my husband must have felt like throughout mm-hmm. all of those pregnancies throughout all of those cycles and, and just wanting to do so much, you know, you want to help this person out, but there's really nothing you can do except like stand on the sidelines and support them in whatever way they ask you to, because mm-hmm. you really don't know what they need. And, and that's, you know that was like a big, sort of realization for me is that uh, this standing on the sidelines and supporting is kind of sucky sometimes <laughs> because oh, you're in it but you're not like fully in it, and, right. and you know that that gave me some pause as to how it must feel like to be to be a, a partner. But you know, at that point uh, when she was halfway through the pregnancy uh we had we had really come to develop our relationship and and finally meeting her even further was just great and really made our bond more connected which was mm-hmm. really nice and and then and then the other aspect of things that came about as she finally did get pregnant was that you know i had another person's feelings to consider which was odd right. because all this time it's just been me and my husband, you know, when there was a failed cycle, like we would both be sad and I would have to check in on him and him on me. But this time, you know, she would share that she was, you know, like before the pregnancy test, she shared with me that she was so nervous. And, oh. and then that, that first time when she sort of shared this personal feeling it was, it was odd for me because I thought, well, I didn't, I don't know why, but I didn't think of this as something that I would come with this surrogacy process was mm-hmm. having to also nurture and take care of someone else's needs. And and so that's how the relationship kind of evolved is that she almost to me felt like a member of my family, almost like one of my kids that I was taking care of and that I needed to support emotionally and be able to check in on even though she was far away you know she didn't live close to us and so I didn't get to physically see her aside from those two visits and but that is how that that bond ended up forming which was yeah and I think
1: there's a lot about how vested she was in in the whole in this whole journey right knowing that it was her first time like it says a lot about who she is. And I think that the agency did a really great job on a selecting people who they wanted to work with to make these families come to fruition. Right. But then also matching her up with you, I think um, it, it gives me goosebumps just hearing that, because I think that's incredible that she felt a sense of responsibility to you and felt guilty and, and scared about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just hearing you, like I, who, who would ever think that you're going to have to think about somebody else's emotions in this process, right? Like you don't think about that. So yeah, that's a learning process for everybody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that really, like I said, just, I didn't take that into consideration, but, um, but yeah, we worked through it, you know, just like with any relationship, we worked through that and it just created a stronger bond between us. And, you know, after that visit, that twenty week visit then we thought it would be great for our families to meet because we both had young kids so um our eldest at that point was seven and then the little ones were five I believe and so you know we always have had a very open conversation about how everyone comes into the family because you know our first son was adopted so he knew his birth story and then we told his siblings about it. And once we were kind of in the clear of the pregnancy being viable, that's when we decided to open up the conversation to the little ones and Mm -hmm. told them that, you know, far away, they were having their baby brothers growing in someone else's belly. And we kept the language just super simple. You know, we got all the books that we could find. There weren't many. And Mm -hmm. we you know they were just so sweet about it because because of their son their brother who we adopted, they said, "Oh, you know that was kind of how the conversation went in that, oh, so he's growing in someone else's belly like our brother uh-huh. and uh-huh. or or like I did and then and then when will we get to see you know our new baby brothers and and so that's how that went. So we felt like you know, maybe it'd be a good idea for them to meet the surrogate and see her growing belly and to see that, you know, she's doing this this such a generous act for us and just to be able to connect the pieces and same for her mm-hmm. kids, because her kids saw that their mother had babies growing in her belly, but they were not going to become a part of their family, that the baby right. family. So we just both felt like, you know what, let's, let's meet up if possible. And so we made that happen maybe about two months after my first visit. And it was a little awkward, like the whole trip over there, we had to keep repeating to the kiddos that, okay, we're going to go meet the the kind woman who is carrying your baby brothers. And then you'll get to see them on the TV screen, you know, with the ultrasound and, and it will be great you'll you know we'll get to see where they're going to where she's going to give birth to them that hospital and and then it's a fun trip for them right and so right. you know we got there and we decided to meet up at a park because, like I said, all the kids were little and also to do some photos and mm-hmm. You know, and this is all her idea. She just she was just so sweet. Like I didn't even think about doing all this stuff. And I'm so glad that she did because now I have these great memories from, from that day. And I had so, no
1: idea that that was all you
0: No, no. You know, one of the things after that second trimester loss was that you know how I don't like to jinx things. Well, mm-hmm. I uh when I was pregnant with uh Milena Mateo, I never I never took pictures. And I didn't have the baby shower. I didn't have anything. And um, so I think I had one picture right before we were about to have our our scheduled C-section for them. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I don't have anything else. And the, I kind of felt that same way with this. And plus, I didn't know what her boundaries were. So I didn't ask oh. her to take any pictures. And But this was her idea because I guess part of the agency's... Um, thing for the the surrogates is that they all had this, this group that they were a part of where they could just, you know, like, like a support group and uh-huh. weekly check-ins just to see, you know, someone it's always helpful to hear from someone who's going through the same thing. And I guess one of the other surrogates had mentioned that they did this and she thought it was a great idea and I'm so glad that she mentioned it. And so we did it we have these great pictures and and it was uncomfortable just like it was at the beginning for me and her to forge our relationship. You know, the kids played together and, and the husbands met and, and then we took the kids out to lunch. And then after that we joined her at an ultrasound appointment and as we're, you know, she goes in first to get her checkup and we're waiting in the lobby with with the kiddos, and then they they called me in, and I got to see you know the babies on the screen and hear from the doctor, and then my husband came in with the three kids, and they sat there on the chairs next to her, and they're looking up at the TV screen, and they're just it was like this silent awe, you know, from because they're so little, they've never seen anything, they don't know what to expect, they see like these. These figures moving around in like black, white, and gray. And I think it was probably Jaden who, who said, Are those our baby brothers? And, uh, and then, you know, it was, it was, it was just so sweet. Yeah, you about to
1: start crying at that. I know, was I'm about
0: weird? to. I'm about
1: to. <laughs> I'm about to.
0: Um, and so, you know, all you could say was yes. And then it was, it was kind of at that moment that, like I had been so anxious and nervous about this encounter and how the kids would take it and just how everyone else was feeling. Right. I'm always concerned about how everyone else is feeling, but I think just that simple question and that simple answer and them being able to see the babies on the screen and her growing belly, like they just got it, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's all they needed. They didn't need this big grand explanation they're not like adults who will ask all these prying questions and all these things. And they just understood, okay, well, we have, we have some new siblings coming and they're, they're, you know, they're growing nicely in there and then we'll see them in a couple months. And, and that was it? It just, it was insane how easily they took it. And it was the benefit I think of us just always having this open conversation about, like Our
1: family story.
0: I think that really. Oh, helped. I'm
1: definitely like. I mean, how do you explain to little kids in general, right? Just pregnancy as a concept in general, right? Without going into details. And your kids are little, like so. Yeah. I, I, that would have been just complicated, just like in the, a, whatever a, normal not not normal, but like a typical scenario. I think the fact that you had always shared these stories, like they understood families come in different ways and our family has come in many ways and he- here it is. And here's just a, a new way. And, I, you know, it, I think it really helped ease that path and that conversation. Oh, so sorry. Charlie's enjoy- joining in the conversation. Um, but it just, that's that one line, like I would have walked in. I mean, your kids are so sweet and I remember them at this age, like, being so inquisitive and just so tenderhearted, like, ah, yes, that would have just set the pace. Like we are going to be okay through this.
0: Yeah. That totally was that moment where it, it hit me like, okay, everything will be okay. They get it. They totally understand. You know, we did have to have a modified version earlier than I thought of the birds and bees with, (laughs) you know, with like the seed and like daddy's seed, mommy's egg. And, very confusing, but very comical. Um, but <laughs> that's great because right,
1: you also have a family of scientists in your background. I can imagine like you need to kind of tell them the truth. Like, let's, let's go here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I still but, remember like, what, telling them. It's funny. Oh my gosh!
1: I can't imagine. But what I'm what I'm can't remember is when you started telling us, right? Because you, you were so cautious based on your past. On I'm sharing details too soon, I can't remember if you told me or many people before you went on this visit, or if you started telling us afterwards.
0: And probably afterwards, I don't remember. I mean, there are only a few people that we told, like our siblings, <laughs> our parents, and and then a handful of like besties, like you. But even then, like with telling her parents we were so nervous. I mean, I was so nervous about it and just, just like the same feeling that I, I had when I was nervous about telling them about adoption because mm-hmm. I just, I cared too much about back then. I feel like I cared way more than I do now about how other people think of me and, and my <laughs> decisions and, and that really weighed on me. And so telling them that we were going to do this, which was such a foreign idea. Adoption was such a foreign idea for them. And then surrogacy as well. But, you know, they, I I recall it being sort of anticlimactic because I had worked it up so much in my mind that the Mm. responses would not be positive that the responses I did end up getting, you know, weren't, were just, they just, said, okay, all right, you know, we respect your decision. I think having gone through adoption and seeing the love that we had cultivated and and just our son being in the family, that, that kind of eased them into this other form of bringing a child into your life. Um, and then back then when we introduced the idea of adoption, it had been right after that loss that Back then, no one was saying anything to us. they just I mean, everyone just felt so bad for us that they wouldn't say anything so so yeah, I had worked it up in my mind, but to answer your question, we didn't tell anyone else again, I don't like to jinx things, and mm-hmm. I think I remember one day it's funny I remember one day saying at the gym, you know you you remember over in Boston mm-hmm. I that I had over there that I'm going to be away for you know for it was around Christmas because that's when the babies were born and I said well I'm going to be away and they're like oh you're going away for for Christmas break and I'm like yeah (laughs) and I come back back with the the child number four and five out of the blue (laughs) and they were just so confused and that kind of was representative of like how they got announced to everyone was just like, oh, okay, you know, now, <laughs> now we have child four and five. I, I, but, wait, but we
1: need to backtrack because the whole delivery, like that's a whole nother gamut of just like surrealness. And I, I mean, you guys were moving and just, I mean, can you go back to that moment?
0: Oh, when we were, when they actually got delivered. Well, when they got delivered it worked out because she because she had already had her own pregnancies, she knew she kind of knew when, okay, this is gonna happen. So at around thirty five weeks, she gave us a call and she said, All right, I think it's this is the moment. She had called before mm-hmm. once and it was it was Braxton Hicks, so it was fine. But this time she mm-hmm. said, Okay, I think one of you should get on a plane now And so my husband did because I was I stayed behind to take care of the older three. I and think that's he,
1: boy, he's the one that went, right? Like, yes. Cause then right. like, like it's the muscles, right. But like, okay. So he went,
0: yeah, he went and, and it was great because, you know, and thinking about it now, I gave him this like very special moment. Not that I gave him, uh-huh. but it allowed him to have this very special moment. And so he was able to fly out there just in time to, Like she had just delivered and, and then he was able to meet the babies. And I remember sitting in my bed at night, waiting for his call to let me know that everything was okay. And then I got that call. I remember sitting there just crying and just, it was just so surreal. And his, him describing like babies and how she's doing and everything, everyone was fine. And and it was just so weird to be in my room out in Boston while he was out, out in Colorado like meeting our new babies which is just crazy and so then a few days later I flew out with the older three the babies had to stay in the NICU for a week they were totally fine mm-hmm. that ends like our journey of creating our family I like to call it our modern day family because we just use three different the three different paths to bringing a child into your home, and and now they're all thriving. There are two sets of twins. The little ones are like, oh my god! I think because they're the babies, they just get away with everything. So, and I fear that I fear that the older three will never give me grandkids because they're tired <laughs> of taking care of the little ones. <laughs> <sighs> and crossing my fingers, that isn't the case. <laughs>
1: Oh, oh my gosh. I love it. They're, they're, they're all so funny. They're, they all have such individual unique personalities. And just, I love being at your house because it's like fun chaos, even Mm -hmm. though like you're, you're you're very organized and we've got, we've got a schedule. I mean, right now, pandemic, whole different situation, but right. Like I can go over there. I know what we're doing that day. And yet there's still nothing but unexpected funniness happening every second. (laughs) (laughs) because one of five will say something do something bring me something to eat like or they're in the pantry climbing things you're just like what are you doing like just get down you know and they're just they're, they're a delight I love them so much and I think I love modern science I, I love I love everything that has happened in this world to make families to, to help families become families like mm-hmm. in many different ways because we get we get stories like yours and I'm just lucky to be along for the ride because it is so much
0: fun, <laughs> well, they adore you. you are their very godmother, as they call as they call you <laughs> well, I think it was very fitting that their my kid's godmother was able to sort of wrap up the story of of how my family came to be because you're such a, a instrumental part of of our lives and so thank you so much, Nubia, for. Joining me today to to talk about it and like dig deep and help me get the story out. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, friend. I think that um, I'm sure I've heard some of your guests really talk about what a joy it is to be on your podcast just because there aren't enough people telling these types of stories and I think there are many people who are questioning should I go this route, should I not? What are the emotions of when I feel? Is this normal? Is this not? And I think you being willing to share your story so openly and being so vulnerable, is going to help a lot of people make some great decisions and hopefully make some families come together. So thank you for doing what you do.
0: I love that. Thank you, Nubia. Love you. Thank you so much for listening to this final episode of season one of Responding to Life. I hope you found the details that I shared in this episode to be helpful for you if you're in the midst of trying to conceive. As you heard, I learned so many things from this part of our family creation journey, letting go of control, trust, what my partner felt like. Most importantly, I learned that no matter how a child is created and enters your family, it doesn't make you as a parent any less than a parent who conceived their child naturally. At the end of the day, the family we ended up cultivating is bonded by the fabric of love that brought them into the world and the love that will continue to support them. If you're in the thick of trying to conceive right now, I'm sending you positive vibes. Be sure to check out the other fertility episodes from this past season for more support and a look at other people's journeys so that you know you're not alone. And for everyone listening to my show, please be sure to check out previous episodes on health and wellness topics, parenting and my handful of bonus episodes on COVID and the pandemic. And mark your calendars to join me for Season 2 of Responding to Life this October. Thank you for listening to Responding to Life, a podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to receive a bi-monthly newsletter with an exclusive and free video meditation, along with wellness tips and deals, please go to www.respondingtolifepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter by entering your email address in the pop-up box. In there, you'll also learn my seven-step process on how to meditate like a pro so you can stress less and live more joyfully. If you enjoyed the show, I invite you to share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast outlet you use. I look forward to sharing another inspirational story with you real soon.